You know, I've been doing this series. I've had a great time with it. This is, a, this is a good message today, but it's a practical thing, right? And it's not something you haven't heard before. It's just a reminder. In fact, so much of the scriptures uh, just say the same things in a lot of different ways. Because the things, the things in the scriptures, that especially that teach us about who we're supposed to be and what we're, how we're supposed to live, uh, they're simple to understand. That doesn't mean they're easy to do. And so, and so just further reinforces, well, this, this book of, of Romans, we've started since summer and we're finishing up next Sunday will be our last Sunday on the, on the book of Romans. But the book of Romans is foundational because it has so much in it that, that shares with you and I about who he's called us to be. And, uh, we know again, the 10 chapters on, on, on what salvation is, sinfulness of, of, of obviously mankind and, and then who Christ is, what he came to do, the difference it makes in our life for those of us who put our faith and trust in him. That's all the first part. Starting in chapter 12, it, 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 the first two verses are kind of the linchpin for the rest of the book of Romans. Tuck says, I urge you brothers, because of God's mercy, that is because of what God's done in our lives, to present your bodies, that is yourself, as a living sacrifice, right? That is giving ourselves to others because he's given himself for us. Now guys, today, today's thought is, is it kind of puts some, you know, puts some feet to that concept. And today's title is serving, okay? Now, let me tell you what's really going to make it, all right? An understanding today. The greatest question is this thought, are you his? Okay, are you his? If you're his, then this applies to you, right? And it's not really optional, although he gives you the option because he does say in that Romans 12, verse one, I urge you brothers, because of God's mercy, it says to present yourselves as a living sacrifice. So it's a choice that you have as, as a believer, as his. But guys, this will never make sense if you're not truly his, not truly a believer. You see, Jesus himself made these statements like, in order to gain your life, you have to give it away, right? Lose it. That makes no sense unless you're his. And it never will make sense. So serving doesn't make sense. Our culture teaches you that the, that the greatest among us are the ones who have everybody serving us. That is not who you're to be, right? In fact, Jesus said the greatest among you will be the servant of all, right? So it's basically the way our world thinks is Jesus talks to us about being the exact opposite. But here's the key to it all. Are you his? Okay, because if you're not his, this is not ever going to make sense right? But if you are his, it will still be a battle, right? Because you can be a living sacrifice now, but it's easy to stop being one, right? Because of this world you live in. So, so this is what we're going to talk about today, this whole, this whole thought of, of what it means to serve. And this is not, this is a, this is a tough one because this one, this one confronts uh, the self-centeredness that lies in all of us, Right? Um, it confronts it because as believers, as his, if you're his, then the constant battle that you have is to get over self, right? And be others oriented. This is what this passage is all about. It's not a natural thing. It's something that's supernatural that's done through you. In fact, I've found 
that the more mature a person is in their faith, the more selfless they will be. That's just how he's called us to be. Why? Because that's who Christ is. And if that's who he's called us to be, then he'll empower you to be that. It's, a, it's an interesting thing, but you'll see in just a minute what I'm talking about. You'll see how all this sets up. I'm going to spend the majority of the time on these first few verses. And then the rest are just kind of examples, and they, they're pretty easy, right? But really, just three things I want to talk about. The last two are Jesus' example and Paul's example. But this first one is, number one, is serving others. Serving others. And I just want you, I've had the best time, the absolute best time in the book of Romans, um, preparing. Um, in fact, I, have, I go through most all of it and, uh, and I look up all the different words, not just in our dictionary, but in the original. You know, they were written in Greek. And so there's so much to be learned from all of those things. I'm gonna share a little bit of that with you today, but I'm not going to get bogged down in details, right? Uh, I, I, again, the bigger picture is what I want to share with you. But I want you to see and understand the passion that Paul has for this, this thought. Right? right? Chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong. Strong. What is he talking about? Those who are strong emotionally, those who are strong physically. He's talking about. Well, he talks about it in Romans chapter 14, verse 1. He talks about those who are strong in their faith are to help those who are weaker in their faith. So the strength and weakness here is not talking about personality, it's not talking about emotionally, it's not talking about physically, it's talking about one's faith. Therefore, those who are strong in their faith, that is those who are mature in their faith. Here's the thought. You have an obligation. I looked up the word obligation. The word obligation means a debt that is due. It goes back to Romans chapter 12, verse one. I urge you brothers, because of God's mercy, to present yourself as a living sacrifice, therefore to give. But he calls it an obligation, really a debt that you owe. And the debt that you owe is this, to bear with the feelings, excuse me, the failings, all right? The infirmities is what some of your translations will call it, failings, infirmities, either one, all right? Uh, of the weak. Not those who are sickly, but those who are weak in faith. That is, those who are newer in their faith. Right? And so you have then this presentation of if you now are, are strong, then you didn't get there by yourself. And this is, I tell you, this is, a, this is one that you need to see and understand. And you have to see it through his eyes to be able to truly get this one. But those who are strong in their faith, you have an obligation but in view of God's mercy, right? Because of what he's done in your life, he's asking you then to put, your, to, 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 to put you, yourself into other people, right? It's this concept that he's talking about. Listen to this. It says, you have an, those who are strong in your faith. So if you've been a believer for a long time and you've really grown in your faith, I want you to know that there's an obligation that you have, right? And, and it's, it's to bear with, basically to bear means to bear the burden. And in reality, it's patience, right? To bear, I mean, patience is an amazing thing. Uh, patience is a learned thing. It's not, you don't naturally have it. I think it comes more natural to some people, but you, you have to learn this one. And patience is one of those, it's, it's amazing. Patience is one of those things that, that everybody wants, but very few of us want to go through what it takes to get it, right? It's one of those things where it's not dealing with something once. 
Patience is when you deal with something over and over and over and over again. That's why we use this phrase, my patience is growing thin. Yeah, that means it's over the time, right? Okay, I'm getting to the edge of this. I'm dealing with this, I'm putting up with this, and I'm, I'm done with this, all right? But that's what those who are immature need. Now, don't get this wrong. With someone who is immature, we don't mean that they're emotionally immature. We don't mean that they're physically immature. It's just in their faith, they're just learning, right? Look at me. Especially in our world, those who are newer believers, think about the world in which they live. Think about the garbage that they've probably come out of, right? That all of us perhaps have been through. Who knows? And so you work through things until you grow and understand what it means to be in him. And it tells you a little bit more about that. But, but newer believers do best with those who have been down the, the road a little bit ahead of them. Look at this. We're to then to do, we're, that's what we're to be about. That's one of the great responsibilities that you and I have in the local church is to help those who are younger in their faith and help them to grow, right? It's an incredible thing, incredible thing to think of. And look at the last says, and it's, and not to please ourselves. Word please there means to look out for interests or if you will, make oneself happy. And, and, and or to do what one wants to do. So then those who are stronger in their faith, this is classic, this is classic. Those who are stronger in their faith, then you have to understand you're not called to a life where you've arrived, now you can do what you want to do. That's not who he's called you to be. You know, sometimes, I mean, this, this is gonna fly in the face of some of you, I'm, I apologize already. But these are his words. And the culture, the culture in which you live is so self-centered. Being a believer is countercultural, And it flies in the face of what this world says is important. So in order to be that, guys, you are going to be different. You're going to be called to something different. That's what this is. And serving is what it is. Because self-centeredness. I mean, I've had people tell me this. I'm probably not going to have it anymore after I say it out loud. But I have people tell me this. I don't really see what it means. I mean, I've gone to church for years. I've learned everything. I'm pretty, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty mature in my faith. I don't see my reason for having to be there all the time. Are you kidding me? So then, since you've gotten what you wanted and you're mature, that's all that really matters because it's all about you. Right? But that's what this culture teaches you. But that is not who he's called you and I to be, right? He's called you. Guys, it's, it, it's about investing in other folks, right? Oh, well, I'm there. Well, great. Congratulations. Give yourself a cookie, and after you eat it, get to work. Lots of people need you, right? That's why I've been trying to say, well, you know, I don't see where I have to go to that because I've, I've kind of already got that under control. Oh, so it is all about you. I, I, probably nobody's going to say that to me anymore. That's probably good. But I don't know why we're doing this because, that, no. are you kidding? So it is all about you. Guys, I promise you within the local church, we have to get over it being all about us. Unless you're really young in your faith. And then we need to make it all about you. 
until you get past that point. We need to invest in you like kids at your house, right? Guys, one of the greatest ways to understand this principle he's teaching us in Romans is this. If you've ever had kids, children, right? And for some of you, right, if those kids now or if those children have moved out, right, they're not really in your home anymore. If they're still there, then you're still in the chaos. But if they've moved out, okay, you remember it, is that you had a wonderfully easy life before this little screaming thing came into your life. And why do we do this? I don't know, but this little red prune is born and and it comes into this world needy, like tremendously needy. And you invest, because you're the mature one, or at least supposed to be, and you learn by giving to this, 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 this bundle of need. Well, I just don't think it's fair that I give all of my time toward it. Then don't have children. I'm serious, please. Don't have children unless you're all in, all right? Does that make sense? Don't buy into the lie of, well, you can have children, but don't let them mess up your life. They're gonna mess up every area of your life, all right? Seriously, you sign up for the long haul when you become a parent. As a believer, if you're mature in him, so many have invested in you to get you there. God says, have we gotten to this point to where We've gotten so self-centered that we don't see it as our responsibility to invest in others. See, and I'm not trying to be tough on anybody. I just want you to understand, it's easy to think that way when you live in the culture you guys have to live in, and you and I have to live in, because that's what this world tells you. Man, if you don't look out for yourself, nobody else will. That's the opposite of what the scriptures teach you. All right? doesn't mean we're supposed to be gullible. That's why it says, you know, wise as serpents, but harmless as dove, right? You're not supposed to be gullible, but then again, you're not supposed to live by the world's rules either. It's interesting how that works. And yet as a child grows, maturity is what your goal for them is, for them to grow up. Well, in this particular thought, this is God's goal. This is what a church is to be about. And when I say the word church, I'm not talking about denominations. I'm not talking about you know, religious things. I'm talking about this place here. And this is you. If you're a believer here today, you are part, as the scripture says, you are, you are the church, right? And so I'm talking about us, right? And who you and I are supposed to be. So then being selfless is something that's hugely important that God wants to teach us. That makes sense, right? And there's nothing, I mean, it's the joke I tell all the time. I love telling it, right? is that God allows you to get married to keep you from being selfish. And then he gives you children to finish you off, <laughs> right? I love that joke, I'm always gonna tell it. Because if you've ever been there, that's why you laugh. Because to give is a powerful thing. And the impact it has on others, but also the impact it has on you, which we'll talk about just in a minute. But whenever we get to a time in our lives where we start to say, well, you know, I've done my, I've done my dues, uh, you will turn into this self-centered toad 
right, that thinks the world revolves around them. That is not who he's called you and I to be. I promise you, you'll see where he's going with this. I just want you to get the groundwork of it before we go any further, all right? So we who are strong in our faith, we have an obligation to those who are not, all right? So let us each please his neighbor. Now, our neighbor is not your next door guy or gal. Our neighbor in the scriptural context is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That is your fellow believers in this context of this passage in chapter 15. So you're talking about fellow believers. In other words, let us learn how to do what's best for them, right? For his good, her good, and to build them up. Right? As you see the context with the book of Romans, especially chapter 12 and following, you're seeing that God wants to build something together. And it's something that is impossible to build unless he does it. You'll see that a little bit later as we close. Right? And he gives you kind of a little illustration here. He says, for Christ didn't please himself. That is, he didn't come into the world. The word please here means that is to do what's the best for. In other words, when Christ came, he didn't come for himself. Right? He came to make a difference in others' lives. Right? So he didn't come to, but as it is written, the reproach of those who reproached you is as fell on me. In other words, he came to pay for our sin. Right? Look, for whatever was written in former days, what is he talking about there? And that's a huge passage that you hear people quote. That is God's word, the Old Testament in this particular case, was there for you to understand what God is up to, who he is, and how he works in your life. That's why it's so important for you to know God's word. It says there, what was written in former days was written for our instruction. That is for us to understand, for us to see, right? Look at this, that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now these, all these things, just hang with me here because you'll see it all come together at the end. Endurance, what is endurance? Endurance is maturity. You look in the scriptures and you see those who endured, that is those who made it through the tougher times. You don't have to endure the good times. When everything's going great, you don't have to endure that. So when it's talking about enduring, you're talking about that which is not easy. And you take a look in the scriptures and the scriptures, Old Testament's filled. That's why I love to do summertime you know, when it, usually in the summers I'll do a character in the Old Testament, we'll cover it. Why? Because there's things to learn. Joseph, I mean, endurance, you're talking, it's amazing what God taught him. Well, what, what are we talking about? What does it mean to endure? That is, it means to, to last, that is to make it through the tough times. Therefore, those who are immature have a hard time at first when you haven't learned. You know, uh, you know you're, you're, I know I'm out on the practice field, you know, I was a little kid and, um, and the coach started yelling. I, I think I was a fourth grader and whatever, I was doing something wrong as a fourth grader on the field. And I, and I, I remember just, I don't like people yelling at me, I never have, right? And uh, I usually don't respond well, right? At, especially at that time. And so I came home, I said, dad, I'm quitting. I'm done with that, you can have that. And my dad, who was a good dad, he looked at me and says, oh, no, you're not. You're going back. Why? Because quitting is something that the immature do. That makes sense. Quitting is something that immature do. Endurance is what he wants to build into your life. That is, God, no matter what happens, I'm not going to quit. Right? Quitting is a bad habit to get in. Oh, it feels good at the beginning, but it's one of those things where, where it's sweet to the taste, but it sours your stomach later. Right? 
And, and so anyway, this is not a lesson in, in you know, motivating you to endure, but this is what's being talked about here. God is at work in our lives to mature us, that is to grow us, to whereas we don't quit immediately when something doesn't go right. Therefore, to build endurance into you, right? And if you will, encouragement in that endurance, right? The endurance and the encouragement that comes from the scriptures and it brings hope into your life. One thing as people get older in this life is that usually they get more and more cynical, if you will, hopeless feeling. This is not who he's called you to be. And the more you learn of him, more you know of him, the more you grow toward maturity, hope will be something that will spring, right? Everlasting as it says, it's pretty neat, right? So he goes on to say that may the God of endurance, right? And encouragement grant you to live in unity. That's what the word harmony here means. In unity with each other. Okay, now guys, this is an amazing thing. How does that happen? This is his call for us. This is Paul telling the Romans who they're supposed to be together. You see, most believers today, they look at their life and their relationship with with God as being one that's very personal. But I want you to know that that's not the way it is in the scriptures. God looks at us together. Not you individually, he looks at us together, right? Not what's best for you individually, but what's best for, if you will, his family. It's an amazing thing when you take a look at it. He says, then the the goal, and it comes from endurance and encouragement and hope. He says that, that you can live, if you will, in unity and harmony with each other. Now, that becomes how you and I are supposed to, or supposed to be, right? To be in unity. Now, what is it that causes disunity? All right. Well, I'll tell you. You know, let's use marriage as an example because another, one of the greatest goals that God has for your marriage is what? I know. Oneness, right? One of, the, one of the greatest commandments, but long before all the Ten Commandments is what? The two will become unity. Okay, that's the definition of unity, unless you, unless you want to understand. All right, so his goal for your marriage is unity. Just like his goal for us as a group of believers, that is his church, is unity. Well, Jeff, that's a pipe dream. I hear you. I hear you. Wow, we live in a world that doesn't even know, doesn't even know the meaning of the word. I mean, so many things are broken because of this thing called disunity. And what causes disunity? And here's, I'll give you the simple version. Some say, well, it's much more complicated than that. Yeah, but it's only when you screw things up does it make it more complicated, right? So let's, let's talk about what causes disunity. What causes disunity is this. I want what I want. And then the other person over here says, I want what I want. Okay, there you go, right? Complicated, huh? But that's really what it is. It's one wanting what they want versus the other. Guys, which makes unity in a church so difficult because everybody's got an opinion, right? And we've gotten to a point in time where we have so many people who are immature, whenever it doesn't go their way, they just quit and leave. Interesting, huh? Amazing how that works. That's not who he's called us to be. Oneness, oneness. I've already told you, I told you last week, the definition 
of a perfect marriage, which nobody's there, by the way. But our definition of perfect marriage is when you have two people 100% committed to meeting the needs of the other. Right? You got that. You don't have, you have unity. Right? The only problem you have is, is trying to choose where you're going for dinner. No, I want to go where you want to go. No, I want to go where you want to go. All right? But other than that, there's not a whole lot of problems there. I wish I could have somebody like that. No, no, no. Here's your problem. You want somebody who will minister to your needs. Make sense? Oh, I could love to find somebody like that. I hear people say that all the time. If I could just find, a, if I could just find somebody to, to marry, to date, whatever, that would just take care of me and take care of all my needs, meet all my needs. Okay, that, again, I've always talked about it. You're looking, you're a tick looking for a dog. As gross as it sounds, that's exactly what you're looking for. I'm looking for somebody for me. Guys, that, that relationship will be a disaster. Why? Because the, the dog gets tired of the tick. Aren't you glad you came today? All right. But I want you to see what he's talking about here. Therefore, guys, it's not to, you're not to set out to please yourself. You're to live in unity. The way you live in unity, I promise you, it won't always go your way, but your desire to meet other people's needs, you'll be amazed what God does with that. But guys, the exact opposite is found out in our world. Right? It's an incredible thing to think about. Right? Right, here we go. That together, all right, living in harmony, unity is the goal, right? And by the way, he's telling them this because these believers at Rome were really growing strong in their faith. And guys, these believers at Rome, for a good period of time, were going to be a light for the world. Now, about 100 years after that, they really, really mess up. But in this particular time, you, you read the early church, you'll be amazed at how God used them to make a difference. It's amazing how it looked. And they lived in unity, right? That's what Paul's talking about. Whenever God's church lives in unity, in fact, the scripture teaches, Jesus himself said that the gates of hell won't be able to stop it. It's an amazing thing to think about. And yet everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got, well, this is the way I want it to be. This is the way I want it to be. And it just causes disunity. And it just, it's, it just is, now again, I'm not talking about that we, that, that we shouldn't say, hey, I don't know if I'd see this way or that way. Yeah, absolutely. But when it comes down to it, it's not all about us. It's, it's about him. There's where the key is, all right? Here we go. What's the goal? To glorify God, right? With one voice, to glorify God, right? The Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, therefore, welcome, accept, right? Accept. Accept one another as Christ has accepted you. You see, there was an interesting thing. Some people have asked, in reality, what this is really talking about is Jews and Gentiles. Because at the time, you have to remember, these were the Romans. And I'll give you just a little bit of, you know, eggheady kind of stuff for the time, all right? And I won't stay here long, just bear with me. You have to remember that Rome was in charge and everywhere else in the world was a conquered, right? So most of the people groups had one thing in common, they couldn't stand the Romans, right? And they were forced together because a greater majority of the world at that time were slaves. And they were slaves from all different cultures thrown together. And so literally hundreds and thousands of slaves, if you will, became believers in Christ. God changed their lives and it, it was amazing how it worked and how these cultures could mesh 
And it was at a time when they could mesh because culturally there weren't all these differences, not near as much, many. So really what we're talking about here is Jews and Gentiles, therefore welcome one another, right? Right? Because Christ has welcomed you. Accept, acceptance is what we're talking about. And the great part about being in Florida here, just being honest, just, you know, I'm going to throw things straight at you. The great thing about Florida is that most of us are from somewhere else here. There's a good handful of you that grew up here, but most of us, right? Okay, I came here 24, hun, 24 years ago, right? Not here, but into Florida, right? Most of us come from someplace else. So we have a whole lot of cultures in Florida. We just mix them all up, right? And so it's a pretty friendly place if you're new to the area, all right? Not everybody's friendly, but by and large, most folks are, right? Because they come in here from somewhere else and they know what it's like to be new. So we, we, we understand this here, but this is who he's called us to be, right? Doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, you're his, right? You're his. All right, so that's number one. I want to spend most of our time there, but we're gonna, we're gonna blow through this, this next part pretty quick, but I want you to see what he's saying there is that then the church, therefore, one of the great job, not, and I have to, I know it's terrible, but I just know where so many of you have come from. When you think of the church, you think of some denominational government located somewhere else. No, no, no. The Bible teaches that the church is you. It's not buildings, it's not denominations, it's you. It's the individual believer that bands together, right? To, to be and to do who we, what he's called us to be and to do, right? So that is who we are, right? So that's what he's talking about. And one of the great jobs we have is to invest in those who are newer in their faith. Right? And to help them to grow towards maturity. Most people don't do that because it's hard. It's messy. You know, I remember when Martha and I went to childbirth classes. And um, it, was really, it was really funny. Um, some people were real gung-ho into that, but we went so that I could be in the delivery room, right? And so... I'm in there and they've showed these, all these films, you know, and all these films were lies. You know what I'm saying? Because it shows this awesome, wonderful experience. And, um, and it is okay. I mean, it, it's, it's cool, but, but they, don't, they don't show the reality of it. Does that make sense? And it's like the reality of being a parent, you know? You've got this mom, you know, with this perfect, you know, baby and this joy, you know, and these pictures and all this stuff, but they don't show you the nighttime, right? They don't show you the diaper, right? As you're, you know, that was me, not my wife, but they don't show you those things right? Just this bliss, right? Now, I want you to think on that for a second. But if you're going to be one who invests in people who are young in their faith, it's, it's not going to be all roses, right? There's going to be tough times. There's going to be heartbreaking times, as in anything, right? But see, one of my great fears for, if you will, his church today, is that we're learning to be isolated because it's much easier not have to deal with people. Because you know, a lot of you in the room are hard to deal with. 
<laughs> Isn't that interesting how we say that? As if we compare that people are hard to deal with, when in reality, it's probably us that are hard to deal with. Just a thought, all right? But that's just an amazing, amazing thought. All right, we got to move on, all right? So let's go to, I'm, I'm, I'm just about to be done because those are the main things I want you to see. His, his call to serve, right? And then it's not all about us. And he's called us to be different. And you can't love somebody from a difference, distance and you can't serve them from a distance. And, when you, and it says to bear with them. Why? Because you owe them an obligation because of what he's done in your life. That's why I go back to what I said at the very beginning, are you his? If you're not his, this won't make sense. Any more than when Jesus says in order to gain your life, you have to lose it. If you're not his, that will never make sense to you. And giving your life as a living sacrifice will never make sense unless you're his. So what I'm calling you to do, if you're laughing at this or joking about it, then more likely you're not his. Why? Because it will never make sense to you. But if you're his, it makes sense. This is who he's called us to be. If we're young and new in our faith, then we are to plug in to learn, plug into people that can teach us, plug in to get the encouragement we're going to need. If we're already grown in him, then plug in in an area where you can be in an encouragement in someone's life or a helping in endurance to getting through tough times. Whatever it takes, it's who he's called us to be. And if we live in that type of a unity, he'll use us in ways we never dreamed possible. Why? And in ways we couldn't do ourselves, right? That is what we've just talked about. That is the key to who he's called us to be. Well, he gives us a couple of examples here, and this, with this I'll be done. All right, Romans 15, 8, Christ is our example. He's the one. Obviously, he says Christ became a servant. He basically, that's who he was. He was God with us, Emmanuel, but he became a servant. And it was, he became a servant to the circumcised. What does that mean? That is the Jewish people. He came to the Jewish, we talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago, all right, because of the patriarchs, right? To show God's truthfulness, that is, that what God says is true, all right? And in order to confirm the promises that were given to the patriarchs. Who is that? That's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God had made a, God had made a promise to those three about the stars in the sky and how God was going to use them. There was going to be a Messiah that was going to come. Their pictures were found in Joseph and many other people's lives. And then when he came, he was going to make a difference. But that not only to the Jewish people, but he was sent mainly to the Jewish people, but it says, but also in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. In other words, it wasn't going to be just for the Jews. He was sent primarily to them, but not just for them, but also those who are not Jewish were going to respond. And they did in a huge way. And he gives you a list of Old Testament verses that talk about how, how and what was going to happen in the lives of Gentiles. Therefore, I will praise you, right? among the Gentiles and sing, to, and sing to your name. These are just quotes from the Old Testament. And again, I say rejoice, O Gentiles, right? With his people, that is the Jewish people. These are all pictures because at the time, Jewish people were saying, you know, Gentiles, there's no way they can, they can become believers in the true God. And then Paul was saying, no, 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 you haven't read your scriptures, have you? That's why he's quoting these. It may not mean as much to us today, but it was huge back then, right? And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people extol, or that is, praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, and even uh, he who arises to rule the Gentiles in him, will the Gentiles hope, that is, put their faith and trust. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Okay, again, just in case you missed the progression, 
And if I was doing this microscopically, we would spend a whole time on this thought, right? Is that what is it that produces hope? It says earlier, endurance and encouragement, right? He talked about how that through instructions in the scriptures, endurance, and then that will bring hope. And hope will fill you with joy and peace. What are joy and peace? Joy is a, and peace are really a contentment in this world, right? They're really something, a state that we all long for. All of us long for it. Every one of us long to feel content with who we are, with where we are, with what's going on. But you'll never find it in this world because this, nothing in this world brings contentment. It only brings discontent. So that's what he's talking about here. He's talking, these are about, these are the end results of serving and being others oriented, right? With endurance and encouragement, basically, you'll be filled with hope and hope will fill you with joy and peace. In believing, that is in your faith. It's an incredible thing. So that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope, right? So it's to abound. All right, number three is Paul. Paul is the final example he gives of himself. Paul's an interesting guy because he was a guy who was called to take this message to those of us who Gentiles who aren't Jewish, right? And in verse 14, and Paul says this, I myself am satisfied about you. He's talking to the Romans, my brothers. They were Gentiles, but he was calling them brothers, which was a big deal at the time. That you yourselves are full of goodness. Not because they're good, but because of what Christ had done in their life. That means... That means that they were mature, or at least very maturing, right? They were getting there. You're filled with goodness. And you're also filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. You know, I love this verse. I told you a few months ago that one of my life verses is that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, faith is made, made possible when you can understand. That is why, guys, listen to me. It is a passion of mine to make God's word understandable. I just want you to get it and hear what it says. Not just those of you who aren't believers so you can understand what it means to be a believer, that is the gospel, but all those of you that are believers, if you truly are his. How does one grow in his faith? By learning more of God's word and then putting your faith in it after you've learned it. See what it says? Filled, right, with all knowledge, and then having the ability to instruct one another. Those are those who are mature. That is those who have learned by life, following him and learning to trust him and trusting more on your journey. You have more experiences and knowledge, and whenever you put knowledge and experience together, you got somebody who's valuable, right? And you're needed, right? You're needed. So that's what he's talking about here, all right? God's knowledge. Therefore, I just want you to understand. I'll do most anything to help you understand, right? If it's your choice whether to, to put your faith in it or not, right? That's why it says present yourself as a, as a living sacrifice. It's your choice. I wouldn't make you if I could, seriously. But I do want you to understand because, guys, I was in church all my life. Growing up was never a believer because I never understood a thing that was being said. It was all ritualistic and, and for a guy like me, they lost me after a minute and a half, you know, and I went to Disney World or somewhere because what does it, what does it say to us? What, how can we trust that? It's an amazing thing. Therefore, the ability to instruct one another. You know, this world needs this 
desperately. You know, I get asked questions quite a bit. Jeff, how do you know the answers? To, because when people, when I became a believer, let me just tell you something, when I became a believer, everybody, I was 21, and everybody in my life was not a believer. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I didn't even have a believer in my life at the time, right? And they were all thrilled when I became a believer, right? Because I, I told them all, I told them all. I thought they'd be happy, but they, they weren't. And they started, they started blitzing me with all these questions and I couldn't answer them, right? And what happened was, whenever they'd ask a question, I'd go find out. And I wouldn't rest until I found out. Let me give you a for instance, right? Because this is somebody that is so needed. I had somebody ask me one time, lots of times, they say to me, because all of us struggle, we just struggle in different ways, all of us learn and grow. But some, one time somebody asked me, Pastor, I have a real struggle with worry. A real struggle with worry. I don't know why, I just can't overcome it. I worry about my children, I worry about my own health, I worry about my job, I worry about money. I worry, I worry, I worry about our government. I even worry about, you know, nuclear armament, all right? And I have this stuff. Now, I can give this person advice, right? And here, here's what that sounds like, right? Well, you shouldn't worry. Oh, that's helpful. Thank you, thank you, thank you, pastor. Such wisdom, all right? <laughs> all right? All right, well, here we go, all right? Well, here's, here's, here's what you do. First of all, four by, uh, 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 four by four by four, what do you mean? All right, here we go. Is that you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, and you breathe out for four seconds, and then you think happy thoughts. All right? may help you, short term, all right? But that's advice. Let me give you an answer. Philippians says it this way. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your request be made unto God. Oh, the way to combat worry, number one's prayer, right? Gratefulness and keep doing it until you can leave it with him. Oh, that is an answer, right? I have learned that through the years, my advice is probably no better than some of your advice, right? I try not to give people a whole lot of advice, but if I have an answer, I'm gonna give that to them because it has something for them, right? And I have, it's his, and I've learned it from him. I've got to be done. But I have one, uh, I have one just illustration I'm gonna close with. Um, there's so much more here, there's just not enough time to walk through it all, but I think you got the gist of what he's talking about there, you know, in this passage. But let me give you one illustration that just happened to me yesterday. Um, this whole idea of, of giving, serving, you do understand that serving is just giving, right? Your talent and your time. Serving is giving your talent and your time. And so when you look at this particular piece and who he's called us to be and what he's called us to do, guys, it's not all about others because it is all about others, but when it comes down to it, it's the impact it has on your life. 
Now, that's not the motivation of why we do it. Illustrations are best, right? My mom, who's been a believer longer than I have, um, and um, I was talking with her yesterday uh, before I came to Saturday Night Service Church, and um, it was right before church time, and she'd called, and, and some of you don't know this, but, but I, I, I lost my dad in March, right? And uh, that's a hard thing. Um, he died um, in March, and, but it's not near as hard as it was for my mom, if y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, they've been married for 50, I don't know, 56 years, whatever it was. And, um, and guys, there's just no way to prepare anybody for that. And there's no little cute little answers or things that you can tell them to help them get through that, right? Something you walk through. And it was tough. It was tough for her especially. Um, my dad was kind of the strong, silent type. He didn't ever said a whole lot. Mom made up for it though. And, um, but so she leaned on him quite a bit. So it's tough on her now. All right, what well, has been since March. In fact, I'd talk with her a little bit through the months and uh, it was just tough. Just lots of tears, lots of grieving. And you're saying, well, Jeff, that's all normal. I know it is, but I want, I don't, I want you to hear me out. Anyways, there was a time when it almost seemed like it got to what I would call despair. Those of you in the room, because I know some of you, there aren't as many in this service as there was in the previous services, but you've lost spouses. I don't have to tell you about this. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, but she's, she's turned a corner in the last six weeks, six, eight weeks. And there's a difference, huge difference. And I was just talking to her last night and she said, <laughs> my mom, who's, who's got a great sense of humor, she just basically says, well, I just want you to know that I've, I've, I, I'm lifted up out of the pit. And I said, well, that's a good thing to hear because I was down there with you, but I didn't know what to do. You know, sometimes best, best thing at times, guys, when people are there, just, just keep your mouth shut. Just let them know you love them. Now, if you have something good to say, then say it. But just keep all the trite little, you know, it's going to get better and the sun will come up tomorrow and all that. Just keep that to yourself, right? They, and they would be glad you did. Sometimes just sit with them and listen and pray for them and whatever. Anyway, so, so anyway, so I said, well, so she said, I said, well, mom, tell me about it. About six weeks ago, hear me. About six weeks ago, um, she decided to, there were three other ladies in her church who had lost their spouses in the last, just the last couple of months. And so she started meeting with them and ministering to them because she's a few months ahead of them. Does that make sense? And she said, Jeff, by my serving them, it was like a salve to my own heart. Her exact words. Guys, sometimes you need the focus on you. But most of the time, the focus on yourself just makes it worse. But when we serve, he's promised to let us find the answers. Does that make sense? Now, think about this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? And then he'll make sure you have whatever you need. Right? That is, make him the priority. And I find it amazing that mom found it 
not in getting what she needed, but in giving away. Oh, for those of you who have ears to hear, I want you to hear it, right? And it's the exact opposite of what you think should be the truth, right? Interesting, amazing. This is who he's called us to be, right? So he's called us to be. All right, amen. Wonderful.